This is WGWG.org, streaming radio from Gardner-Webb University in the podcast studio. I'm Jeff. Matthew Tesnier, the big sports fan, is in the studio with us as he is each and every week. Welcome, Matthew. Thanks. I know we're going to start off today talking about a something you don't hear. I don't. Maybe you do hear this. I don't hear it very often. Controversy in golf. <laughs> well, I, and, and it seems like a lot of our controversy in golf sometimes happens off the course. Tiger Woods, you know, that yeah, whole situation. Yeah, that I have heard of. We, yes, we have but, characters. But on the course. Yeah, on the course. You know, you see rules questions quite often in golf, actually, because just like every other sport, every other game, whatever kind of competition or – you know, even think about different jobs and, and different things that we do in all parts of our lives in the world. There are always rules and there are yeah. things that we have to follow. There, there are laws and, and things like that. So there's a good bit of that in golf, too. We don't necessarily see it play out on TV. I think, yeah, I mean, I, when I think of golf, I don't think of like like referees or umpires. So what, what do they have? Judges? What do they have? They have a, a, a number of rules officials. Uh, um, there are judges. There, there are folks who kind of from tee to fairway to green, all parts of the course, they're, they're USGA or whatever tour we, we may be talking about uh, out there making sure that the proper things happen, that, yeah. that the rules are followed, that but spectators don't get in the way. some guy with a whistle and a striped shirt. Yeah, it's that, not the same not the thing. Same as like and it's more likely that these officials would be in some kind of coat and tie. Oh, okay. uh, they, would, they would be dressed up a little bit more, particularly on certain country club type courses. Sure. So, yeah, it's not the same thing as referees we see in a lot of sports. Uh, so, you know, for, for people who are fans of the major American team sports or, or even a soccer or something like that, mm-hmm. yeah, you don't see them running around. You know, when they when they go and they and they get to the to the tee and they hit the ball and it goes down the throat, you don't see an official running to keep up with the ball the way you right, do on a basketball right. fe- court or a, a football field. I'm going to propose that they introduce that. It would add something to the game. Oh, it would be Throwing interesting. Throwing flags and doing stuff. Oh, it would be, be vastly different. And I'm sure there are plenty of folks who would, yeah. who would tune into golf. Golf's ratings would probably go really sky high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it seems like some kind of extreme golf or extreme something like golf, that. That's which, it. <laughs> if that's not already out there, maybe you and I need to invent it because there should. might be some some money to be made and some excitement to be had there. Um, but yeah, controversy in golf—you don't see it often. But what we're talking about. Dustin Johnson, an American golfer from Columbia, South Carolina, so not too awful far from our, our neck of the woods here in Bowling Springs, uh, was playing in the U.S. Open in the final round, and he is uh, this this past weekend, and he is someone who has been very familiar with controversy and uh, off the course and on the course drama and, and controversy, and whether he's going to be able to finish a tournament. He's come so close several times to winning major tournaments, and when we say major tournament in golf, we're talking about four different tournaments the masters which typically happens sometime in uh in early april the u.s open which typically concludes around father's day the british open which is the only one not here in, in america of of the major uh, pga tour stops uh and that is typically played somewhere in uh, the united kingdom or ireland somewhere over in that area uh british open but not always just what we call Brit- would, would call britain and then the pga championship which is just kind of the the champ Championship kind of of the league at the end of the season. Uh, but there are so many tournaments that happen after that. They typically kind of happen from April to August. But uh, Dustin Johnson has 
finished second, third, fourth, fifth, right there so many times. He's either um, not been able to get the ball in the cup on the green because of putting, or uh, he's had problems with stroke penalties in the past, and that, that kind of is, is what came into play this, this past weekend in the U.S. Open. He was leading in the final round. He was not leading to start the round, but he and, and uh, a couple other players had shuffled around as the day got started, and they, they went down the course. And he was on the fifth green, and he's there kind of looking to make his putt, and he's making some practice movements and you know, kind of moving his putter behind the ball and beside the ball and practicing, of course, what line he's going to take on the green and how hard he's going to hit the ball and all those things. And uh, he, he goes near the ball and then notices that it moves. He didn't mean to hit it, of course, but notices that it moves. So he removes his putter from the green and walks over and tells the rules official that's there with the group. And a lot of times I believe um, that there is a rules official who travels on each hole with these groups. Uh, There's always somebody nearby who... Uh, is there watching, but also is kind of just a resource for the players. And in this case, Dustin Johnson went to that official and told him, my ball moved. And the conversation was had, and and Dustin Johnson said, I did not touch the ball. I did not make it move, uh, but it did move. Uh, You know, what are we supposed to do? So they went through the protocol of whatever they need to, to have a conversation about, and the official decided at that moment, okay, you didn't make the ball move. Um, I don't know if he, he just said, I believe you, or, or what, what that conversation was. But um, they decided, okay, play on. Uh, fair enough. And so he played out that hole. Well, you know, th- we didn't know really other than seeing that conversation a little bit on the broadcast exactly what was happening. And, of course, as a fan watching on Fox Sports, who, who carries uh, the U.S. Open now, we thought situation resolved. This this the show's on the road. This thing's happening. You know we can forget about that. But about two hours later in the broadcast, you start seeing on social media. You start hearing the broadcasters talk about it. The USGA, United States Golf Association, has approached Dustin Johnson and said, "Okay, we're going to review your ball moving incident on the fifth green after you finish your round, and you may." receive a stroke penalty for that that you hit it and you know just like in putt-putt you know if you're there lined up behind that's one that's one um, comparison we can make with putt-putt and golf because typically I always say putting on a putting green in golf is nothing like putting on a putt-putt course Uh, you don't have the same slopes you're not putting across land you're putting on some kind of flat even if it's elevated surface it's not not the same thing but in putt-putt if you accidentally move your club and you hit the ball if you're going to have integrity and you're going to be honest, you have to charge yourself an extra stroke. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what the USGA was telling him. Um, we're going to make sure that, that you didn't do something to cause it to move. And if we determine that you did, then we're going to have to assess you a penalty. And so Dustin Johnson finds out about that on the 12th hole. And so he is seven holes down the course on an 18 hole uh, round and almost two hours worth of time. And so, like I said, that kind of comes out in the TV broadcast on social media. Well, other golfers start just absolutely going nuts on social media. And after the first one I saw, Rory, Rory McIlroy, I was thinking, wow, these, these guys are they're tagging USGA. They want them to see that they're, they're behind Dustin Johnson and that they think this is ridiculous. They started calling it all kinds of, of names. You know, this is, uh, this is ridiculous. Uh, this is a sideshow. Uh, you know, come on, USGA. And the more golfers I saw, I thought, okay, well, you know, apparently this is a consensus opinion. They'd almost have to find everyone on tour. 
mm-hmm. um, you know, if, if they're going to be in trouble for calling out their league. And typically now you can't call out the organization that you play in without getting fined. But when everybody's doing it, how would you handle that? So, um, you know, they were upset. The broadcasters were talking about it. I, it. It just took over the final round of this golf tournament that for a lot of people is tradition with it being on Father's Day. A lot of fathers and sons go out and, and go to the tournament there, wherever it is locally. This was in Pennsylvania at Oakmont Country Club, um, outside of Pittsburgh. And a lot of fathers and sons watching on TV together. So this controversy kind of took took over. And at the point that Dustin Johnson learned about it, all the other players didn't know about it because obviously they're on different holes playing in different groups. So finally the USGA went to, went to, went to them individually and told them about it. So the story was that it just kind of took over everyone's final round and these players on the course are trying to play and golf is already such a mental game. Yes, it's physical. You have to hit the ball. You have to make the right physical movements to get the ball from tee to green and in the cup uh, with the best score possible and the lowest number of strokes possible but it's so mental and yes you are competing against the scores of other players but really when you're out there on the course and and I'm not much of a golfer I I love playing golf I'm not good at the sport at all and I don't devote enough time to it to, to get better really but I've been on the course enough to know when I'm doing my worst it's, it's in my head. You know, I hit one bad shot, then it's to the next bad shot, then to the next bad shot. You get upset, and before you know it, you're just really chunking the ball around the course. So knowing how much of a mental game it is, I couldn't imagine knowing um, this guy may get a penalty at the end of the round. He may not. So what score are we really shooting for here? Yeah, yeah. Just so much in question. And yeah. I think that's what people were upset about. And, and the other golfers understand that completely. Fans were thinking, no matter who you were pulling for, all right, the score that's on the screen, we don't know if that's the score or not. Right, right. Um, and so at a point, you we realized kind of watching that – Okay, if he can get a certain number of strokes ahead, this potential penalty won't matter. And that's eventually what happened. Um, He finished his round, um, uh, I think, three strokes ahead of the nearest competitor. Um, Forgive me if I'm wrong there by a stroke or so, but it was enough. He basically had to finish at least two strokes ahead in consideration that he might have one added. Yeah, Yeah, and lose lose one shot off that lead. Um, And so – at the end of the day, it didn't matter, but it was just a, a public relations nightmare sure. for the for the USGA. And they actually released a statement, um, I believe, on Monday, uh, the day after the tournament ended, and said, "You know what? We did the right thing." And he did get assessed a stroke. The basic ruling was that he did, before the ball moved, touch the ground near the ball behind behind it on the the putting surface with his club. And that that reasonably would would make the ball move. Um, sometimes, uh, especially on certain kinds of grass and greens, if you if you just kind of push your club into the grass behind the ball, uh, it will make the ball move, even if ever so slightly. And it wasn't like the ball moved a, a great deal. I know the Fox broadcast showed kind of a zoomed in shot on the ball, and it was it was a rotation ever so slightly backward. Um, but it but it moved and that's that's what matters and so um, they did decide that he he would get a stroke penalty and the USGA in their statement uh, after the tournament said that they made the right call in penalizing they made the right call in doing the review they appeared 
explain to Dustin Johnson, look, we do these reviews quite often um, before a scorecard is finalized after a round because there's so many things that a player has to do even after they get off the course to officially win the tournament. They have to um, review their scorecard, sign their scorecard properly. There are a lot of things before they can say, all right, here's the trophy, here's your check, you've won this thing, that are just logistics they have to take care of. And apparently the review is often a part of that process. But what they said that they did and they admitted they did wrong was the way they went about it, Mm -hmm. that they should not have communicated it the way they did. If they normally review like that, um, regardless of the situation, they should just go through their process as they normally do and not do anything out of the ordinary that would potentially get in the head of Dustin Johnson, get in the head of other golfers. And, of course, in this age where there are so many broadcast cameras on you, um, you know, people can stream things online a lot of times, so it's not just on TVs. People are watching on phones and other different digital devices. And then social media – they should have done a better job and thought about that before they put it out there. Because for, for a while, when Dustin Johnson knew about this potential penalty, but other players didn't, the broadcasters talk, were talking about how fair is that. Mm-hmm. But would the players want to know? Would it be better for them if they didn't know and it came down to the end and they found out? Because it really gets in your head. Yeah. Well, I guess the, uh, the officials will have to have lots of meetings and discuss their handling of this, especially in the day of you know, sort of instant social media. Yeah, and when they when they debrief about this one, and I'm sure they already have, but that's something the USGA should certainly use as kind of a case study and a case study of how to do something differently, yeah. that this is not the right way to handle it. Um, and so it did. It created great drama and great TV. Um, we, we were uh, in our house. I was watching the U.S. Open and then planned to as soon as it ended – uh, turn over to the NBA Finals because that was happening Game 7 right afterward. I actually missed the very beginning of the NBA Finals because this was so interesting for right. a while. I was not expecting that. Usually in the final round of a major golf tournament, if if somebody likes golf at all, there's some player movement there if there's not a huge lead. If somebody's not so far ahead that it almost doesn't matter on Sunday – it's not a given if somebody's leading going to that final round, they're going to be be the winner sure. of that tournament. And yeah. so I thought there would be some fun and some excitement knowing that Dustin Johnson was up there and had given away leads just last year. And and, and it wasn't far back in our, our memory. Just last year in the U.S. Open, Dustin Johnson had uh, led going to the final hole. If he had um, got one, got his first putt in, he would have won the tournament. He only needed two putts to tie and go to a playoff. He three-putted, and he lost. Um, So he couldn't take care of business there. There were several other majors that he did that. So we knew with him in the lead, who knows what can happen. It's probably those past experiences are probably going through his head. Um, So we knew that we were going to have some drama on our hands, but we didn't know that we were going to get it because of a rules uh, official making a call. And and, and not just that one official, but USGA. I'm certain that there were other people who were involved in the decision to go about that the way they did. I'm sure there are checks and balances there where if somebody has a certain thing that they need to to be concerned with in terms of um, rules and uh, strokes on the course that they consult with other folks. So it wasn't just pinning it on that one guy uh and i mean even in other sports that's that's typical for officials and referees to kind of huddle up and you know you see them having a conversation so very rarely does the final call rest on that one person well you mentioned uh in in that description of the events in the the golf tournament uh, game seven of the nba finals so sort of uh let's go wrap that up 
Yeah, I, Cleveland came back, first team ever to to come back from three one in the NBA Finals and and win the thing. Uh, and so watching LeBron's celebration as soon as is with a few seconds left, uh, Golden State was down by four, and that was the final score, ninety three eighty nine. From a close game standpoint, it was a fantastic Game Seven um, for an NBA Finals. But as soon as soon as there were a couple seconds left, and and they were uh, Golden State was down by four, I started watching the bench more, Cleveland's bench and LeBron more than I watched Golden State, the ball, the basket, the clock, any of those kind of things, just to kind of see that celebration starting to take place. And you could see just a, a very strong emotion on LeBron's face. And I, I think really it, it probably of his three championships. Two in Miami, now this one in Cleveland. It probably does mean the most to him. He is from Akron. Uh, he does, even though he left for Miami, it, it probably does mean a great deal to him to win this championship and it being the first one that Cleveland has has had in 52 years in any pro sport. Um, I've I've been really hard on LeBron throughout his whole career. And you know, we started hearing about him probably in eighth or ninth grade, and, and you know he went to St. Vincent St. Mary's his high school years there and played basketball in in, in the Akron area. And we heard about him. He came along into the NBA before uh, there was a rule that you had to go to college for at least one year. So he was still in that era where you could go straight from high school to, to play in the NBA. And so from from even before day one, we were hearing this is going to be the next great player. This is going to be the next guy who really comes in and you know makes a huge impact, and he's the once-in-a-generation type of player. And he certainly is from, from his physical stature, from his, his um, basketball skill set, from the things he can do. He is the, the player of a generation. And so I've always always seen that, but you know I've, I've always been kind of hard on him, as a lot of fans have, uh, even Cavaliers fans, of course. You know, I, I loved kind of going back and, and re- remembering his decision to leave Cleveland and go to Miami this past week. It was it was in the news coverage after the championship was won. You know, a lot of Cleveland Cavaliers fans, after that decision was announced on ESPN, were burning their their. LeBron James jerseys. They were tearing them up. They were turning them into rags to wash their cars. They were doing all kinds of things. Um, you know, I think there were probably a couple of um, you know LeBron James figures that were uh, desecrated there in the streets of Cleveland after that was made. Those those fans were really upset. I think a lot of that's been forgiven um, with him just coming home. I think even more of it's forgiven now that he's actually delivered the title. Um, but but I, I've been hard on him uh, as a fan in a different way, um, and, and I've among the first to talk about his NBA Finals record, to talk about the things that he hasn't done, even when when he has done great things. He'll probably end up being one of the um, best best scorers and, and scoring the most points in NBA history by the time he's done, playoffs and, and total. Um, but yeah, I've been very diff, very, very hard on his stats, but you know, I really realized looking at it in the last couple of days and thinking about it since the championship that he's been to six straight finals, and he's the first person to do that since Bill Russell and the Celtics Celtics teams did that in the 1960s. Um, Russell, Bill Russell, and the and, and the Finals MVP award is named after Bill Russell, and he's he's still living, and he he was there the other night. He's he's there each year as that award is is handed out. Um, just one of basketball's giants, but those Celtics teams that that he was on went to eight straight NBA Finals, and they won all eight of them, which is very impressive. Mm-hmm. No matter what age you're talking about, sure. I don't care who the competition is. Wilt Chamberlain was playing in those days. There was no gimme in in winning those. They still had to fight for them, and they they weren't all sweeps, so it wasn't like, oh, they're just getting in there and just winning everything. Um, so it wasn't a given, but 
LeBron's been to six. And I thought about that, and then I thought about some of the other players that that the the pundits and sports love to compare LeBron James to. They love to compare Bryant. A lot of people have said LeBron is a little bit more like Magic Johnson. Actually, he's a bigger guy who handles the ball. Um, and so, you know, thinking about those comparisons, I thought back to what those players went through as they kind of faced adversity in trying to win NBA championships. And Jordan, though he went 6-0 and in the NBA Finals, with all that's been made about those records, and I've made, made more about it probably than I should too, um, Jordan had to face his adversity before he even got to the NBA Finals. There were a couple of years in the late 80s that he had to battle the Detroit Pistons before he could even get to the final final round. So he had to go through that. Kobe Bryant in the late 90s, before he could actually get to the finals and, and win, start winning his championships, he had to get past the San Antonio Spurs and, and Tim Duncan and David Robinson in his early days and some other teams in the West. And so Jordan and, and Bryant, maybe they had better records in the finals, but they they had to face a, a tougher road to even get to the finals, and, and they fell out a couple of times before they even got there. So I think that really speaks to what LeBron's been able to do in getting to the finals six straight years. Um, you know, Jordan took a couple of years off to play baseball, so we'll never know, and we can't can't really hypothesize about what he would have done and and kind of kind of guess if he had been in there would he have went to eight straight because he went to six split by a couple of years uh and Kobe you know he he went to several in a row and then he went to a, a couple more uh, later in the same decade so we'll never know but what we do know is that LeBron got to the final six straight years and that's just impressive and 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 really the only non-Boston Celtic to ever do that so in in my kind of reflection since the finals that's been one of the the things that has has stood out that we really have witnessed some greatness there and uh, you know kind of a closing thought on on that uh, at the end of the day he's not done playing yet he's still got more years of basketball yeah. left yeah. and he's 31 years old right um you know it's it's hard when somebody comes into the league when they're 18 or 19 and Kobe Bryant was the same way a lot of people think he's older than he is if you don't think about he came into the league when he was 18 he played 20 years he's just in his late 30s he's not even 40 yet mm-hmm. and LeBron James hasn't even reached his mid 30s yet right. so with the time he has left um we saw that he still has plenty of basketball left he's got plenty of legs left and and strength and ability um his his best basketball i don't think is is truly behind him I don't think that's the case Uh, we could be talking next year about how he's in his seventh straight NBA finals and so the streak could continue running depending on what happens here in the offseason yeah, a lot of stuff going on in the offseason. Drafts coming up. Yeah, the drafts, agency. drafts on Thursday. Um, it'll be really interesting to see what happens in the draft. There's still been uh, a couple of talks of trades happening um, with the number one pick, even. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers hold that pick. Uh, they've been in rebuilding mode for a long time. They've, they've been uh, kind of well-known for uh, almost tanking their seasons and, and trying to get that top pick. And, and teams are always accused of doing that now if, if they have a really terrible season. And then they get the number one pick. Um, but there are a couple guys who uh, have pretty much, ever since the talk of this coming draft, has been out there and players announced that they were entering the draft. There have been two guys who have really been talked about at the top of the draft, and that's um, LSU's Ben Simmons, kind of a six foot ten. Um, 
I don't know, almost a point forward. He handles the ball like a point guard, but he plays with the size of a, of a power forward. And then uh, Brandon Ingram, uh, freshman also, both of those guys are freshmen, coming out of Duke. And he's also a 6'10", really wiry. Neither of them are really big, physical, strong guys. But um, they handle the basketball well. They shoot shoot pretty well. I would argue Ingram better than Simmons. Um, but they, they do a lot of, lot of things well in the game. Uh, they kind of have a mind for the game. People talk about a high basketball IQ. Um, just just knowing instincts how to how to play in certain situations. So those two guys have been talked about from the very beginning as being really the top two picks. And so I think we'll see them uh, coming off the board first on Thursday night. It'll be a lot of fun as as a fan to watch and see who goes where. And even when somebody's drafted, a lot of times draft day trades happen, and so somebody could pick pick a player and then trade him somewhere else. Um, we've certainly seen that in the Charlotte market over the years. A lot, of, a lot of people like to talk about how the Charlotte Hornets actually picked Kobe Bryant and then traded him off to the Los Angeles Lakers. So that changed the course of history a little yeah, bit there. Yeah. Um, Kobe, five titles. Charlotte Hornets still trying to get, you know, kind of to the to the conference finals. That's never happened. So the draft has a lot of lot of um, implications for next year, and so does free agency starting on July first. We're starting to hear about uh, is this player going to sign here? Is this player going to sign there? Uh, you and I were talking a little bit before the podcast, even that uh, we're starting to see things on the internet talking about people leaving their team and going other places, and just some of those rumors. and And the rumor mill just really burns this time of year for basketball. Uh, the off season is the time when you hear more rumors than really even during the season about trades and uh, free agent signings. So we're getting ready to get into that period. But um, you know, with the NBA draft. Uh, especially if you've got a, a top pick, you're looking for somebody like LeBron James. And yeah. that's what the Cavaliers were doing, you know, 13, 13 or so years ago. And they got their guy, and now they've got their championship. And so that's what other teams are going to look yeah. to do this offseason. Well, that's it for this week. That's uh, the Big Sports Fan, Matthew Tesnier. I'm Jeff Powell. WGWG.org. If you want to follow follow Gardner-Webb University Sports, it's GWUsports.com. And if you want to listen to an eclectic range of music, just WGWG.org. Click play and listen along. Thanks for joining us.